Our thanks to Bill Curry Ford for presenting the Scuttlebucks podcast all season long right here at JoeBucksFan.com. Bill Curry Ford is family owned for the last 60 years. That means a lot. It should mean a lot to you. They are going to treat you right in every possible way. General Manager Sean Sullivan loves Bucks fans. He wants to take care of you personally in any way he can. Get his email at BillCurryFord.com or just come into the dealership and shop their great pricing first before you come on in at BillCurryFord.com. No payments until the summer of 2021 on new vehicles and their nationwide lifetime warranty is the best. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee. Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. And away we go. Welcome in, Scuttlebucks. Good to be with you. Voice guy told you I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Bucks win. And as they often do, Leave more questions unanswered in victory uh, than we would like. It's kind of where we sit right now. It's odd to say that a team 9-5 and five, this close to the end of the season remains a bit of a mystery, but they do. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's good to be able to do another edition of the Scuttlebucks. This one again after a win. Uh, Bucks, uh, you know, you go back, beat Minnesota, felt good about that. Game against the Falcons seemed like one that you would uh, be able to handle pretty easily. Game didn't get off to that kind of start, as is the case seemingly every week these days. Slow starts, the bane of the Bucks' existence, yet they're able to overcome it with brilliant play in the second half offensively. We've seen this story. It's written out, played out many times this year. What does it all mean? Well, let's first just look at where the Bucks sit at 9-5 and five in the NFC South, a game back of the Saints, but of course the Saints... Swept the Bucks. So, in essence, if you have any dream of winning the NFC South, which I suppose is still a viable dream, uh, the Bucks have to win their remaining games against Detroit and Atlanta, and the Saints would have to lose their remaining games. Doesn't seem likely now, does it? But it is still on the table, outside chance. What's more likely, of course, is that we're looking at a situation in which you're either going to go on the road and face Seattle, which, okay, it's a matchup you feel like you could win. Or if you are able to win out and the Rams were to lose their A game uh, and break the tie because they both have the same record now, and that's where the development happened over the weekend. Uh, Rams get the head-to-head. But if the Rams lose one more time, and it's entirely possible that they could because they face the Seahawks and the Cardinals. If Bucks went out and Rams lose one of those remaining games, and I dare say I think they might, uh, then it shifts to the Bucks taking on Washington. And I don't know which matchup, Tom, I want more. I There's a part of me that says, let's play Seattle. One of the worst pass defenses in all of football resides in Seattle. Our defense is fast enough. You can spy Russ and really make him beat you from the pocket, which he's capable of, but they have been sputtering as of late offensively. The matchup's not terrible for the Bucks against Seattle. 
Whereas I worry against Washington because dropback passers go to Washington to die. Their defense gets after uh, quarterbacks that live in the pocket. And so it's kind of a matchup problem for us, although Washington's offense obviously leaves something to be desired. Well, if the Bucks' offense looks like it did in the second half against Atlanta, you'd take Washington all day and, and wouldn't even think twice because the threat of Russell Wilson would be that. And and just a he and, and the Seahawks are like Brady and the Bucks yeah. at this point. Yeah. We had this long discussion yesterday before we came in to do our day job, which was, God, look at this mess that is the NFC. You just don't know what to expect from any of these teams. The Saints can be absolutely lethal offensively, especially as Breeze gets more healthy. That defense is scary as well. They'll give up a lot of penalties in the back end, but still, that defense can dominate for a half, three-quarters full game. The Packers, up and down. Now, we dominated Green Bay months ago, it seems like, and that's the last full performance Tampa Bay's put together, I think, this season, where you go, wow, comprehensive dominance from the Buccaneers. Not one half, not one quarter. Green Bay got off to a good start, and then the avalanche was on. Uh, Seattle, who the hell knows? Washington, dangerous, but they're not exactly Super Bowl contenders, but dangerous enough to beat anybody in a given week because of their front four. The Rams, hot and cold. It's just a mess. It is a mess in the NFC. I, I, you don't feel, This is why the whole thought has been, look, I understand this regular season has been disjointed in terms of expectations for the Bucks. You sign Tom Brady. You, you, you bring in Gronk. You have the kind of draft that they do with Tristan Wirfs being an, a spectacular pick. It's turned out he has been the best of that large crop of tackles that were available in the draft. So they get that right. You develop a decent running game comparable to what you've had in recent years. Uh, you have all this added weaponry. Obviously, you go out and get A.B. There, there are these things that make you think, okay, this should have been a much better regular season in terms of record and consistency of play. And yet, I can also note that, listen, it may not matter because, really, this has never been about going 13-3 and three or 14-2. and two. It's about Super Bowl or bust. You've got a two-year window, we think, to go to the Super Bowl, to play for a championship. That's what you're trying to do here. So, if the Bucks look disjointed and have an average to uh, somewhat disappointing regular season, say they were to finish 10-6, and six, I think they're going to finish 11-5, but somewhere in that neighborhood, you'd say, yeah, there's some good, there's some bad, there's some disappointment, there's some up upside. Really, you would throw it all out the window to say, what do you do when the playoffs start? Well, when the playoffs start, is there a team on this list that the Bucks can't beat? Well, you'd say in the regular season, the answer is yes, they could not beat the Saints. But... They pounded the Packers, who are the one seed currently. The three seed is the Seahawks, and they're just as up and down and bizarre a team as the Bucks are for different reasons. Washington is a sub-500 NFC East leader. They're obviously nothing to write home about. They have some weapons, defensively especially, but they're not a great team. The Rams, any given Sunday, we say about the Rams all the time. I mean, they just got done losing to the Jets so obviously, yeah, but Goff couldn't miss against us, and that was even against the pressure. Right, his numbers against the blitz, the pressure when he was hurried, exceptional. Yeah, but you never know with him because every time you want to believe in Goff, he does something that makes you not believe in Goff. So I don't know. We'll see what adjustments would Bowles make in that matchup. Uh, ultimately, I feel like that's a game obviously imminently winnable. We're the sixth seed currently, so uh, obviously we're up and down. And then there's the Cardinals. So. There's not a team there that you go, they can't beat that team. 
They could beat every one of those teams. Obviously, the matchup you don't like is the one against the Saints because uh, they have a corner that locks down our best receiver every freaking time we play. But it's the NFL. There's not a team that the Bucks most certainly, definitely are going to beat on that list. Not one. No, no, there's not one. I, I, yeah, there's not one. I, I not would, even Arizona. Arizona can be scary with Nuke in a, in a one-off playoff situation. Yeah. Kyler makes a couple of guys well, miss, Kyler, breaks the pocket. If Kyler is healthy, they're a very different team. When he went through this stretch of four games where he wasn't running, then he is an average quarterback. But when he's available to run and light you up, especially when you're in man, yeah, it's a problem. And Arizona's not a potential matchup. I'm just saying, just look at yeah, the quality yeah. of play. This is as parody-ridden as it gets in this conference. Yeah, it's very different than the AFC, for example, where everybody points the needle, rightfully so, at Kansas City and says, good luck with that. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it time and again. The Chiefs are the team to beat, and now that the Steelers have fallen off a cliff, you kind of really realize it's Kansas City and everybody else. But here's the other thing, and this is where it gets really fun. So obviously on Christmas Day, you have the Saints and the Vikings. Everybody can root for Minnesota this week to see if maybe the NFC South door would be open all the more. The Saints close on the road at Carolina. I don't know if that's a big threat, but if you put the pressure on them to go on the road... Yeah, you can't lose. Right, and you can't, can't lose. lose. Still trying to figure it out with Breeze back. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But that, that's yeah. a whole week of that news cycle and right. it gets a little it interesting is. it is but this is an awesome time of the year because remember now there are seven teams in each co- each conference that are going to the playoffs which mm-hmm. means that wild card weekend has two days of triple headers of football mm. and so with this taste we get on saturday with bucks and lions one o'clock the day after christmas so you have some time if you want to have a good party you can no big deal because you got a sunday still another day to rest before you return to work that's going to be the new normal the NFL is is now a Saturday Sunday deal. You're going to have awesome football in both the AFC and the NFC in the wild card round. That wild card weekend is going to be insane, and the Bucks are going to be in the middle of it, which is cool. First time since 07. I was yeah, at, you know, I can take some some solace in that. I understand that you wanted to do more when you took on Tom Brady and the idea that look, we really desperately want to get to the Super Bowl. That's why you make that move. It's yeah, I got you. But can we celebrate being in the playoffs? Let's celebrate that. It's been a long time, and I know that desperately we wanted to see something change and the Bucks franchise be seen in a different light and gain some momentum. That has happened. This is true. Um, I, I would say that I'm celebrating as an NFL fan more than anything about the chaos that's about to ensue. That's the cool part. You know, with the Bucks, it's it's very binary, and I'm not going to change my tune. This is what I said before the season even kicked off, which is it's Super Bowl or bust. Next two years, like you said. So, you know, if they go 10-6 and six and they stumble this weekend against the line, whatever it is, they go 1-1 one one down the stretch, but then they make a run, then it's all good. They could have gone 13-3 and three and then been bounced in the second round, and it would have been a disappointment because it's this is a very – when you go get Brady, it's about one thing and one thing only, him getting his seventh and the Buccaneers getting their second in franchise history. It's about nothing else. That's correct, and it'll be interesting to see – if we get anywhere close, we've got these remaining games. Look, 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 it's Detroit and Atlanta. You ought to win those games. If you don't, that's a bigger story and a different conversation. Uh, Pro Bowl came out this week, yesterday, in fact. Interesting that Jason Pierre-Paul was the only member from the Bucks to make the Pro Bowl there. I'm really kind of surprised by that. I think you have a lot of candidates, um, including Tom Brady. That could have made the Pro Bowl. And, and, you know, you brought it up yesterday in that aforementioned conversation we were having off the air. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at a lot of things here. But if you just look at Tom Brady's season, 
You're right, buddy. He's on pace to throw for over 4,000 yards. He's what, at 32 and 11 with touchdowns and interceptions? That's correct. He's completing uh, over 65% of his passes. Any year that any player not named Tom Brady puts up numbers like that, you'd be talking about that player for the Pro Bowl. And yet, if you're evaluating him watching every throw, you'd say that he was above average this year, a B or a B plus. B plus is too kind. He's a B player this year compared to expectations and compared to the curve of his career. That's it. He's above average, but not great. It's an impossible curve to live up to for his career since he's trying to live up to being the greatest quarterback to ever play. So I don't blame him for not sustaining that. He's 43. Right, but given the array of weapons, I don't care that they weren't consistently healthy because you've got so many of them at every level. O.J. Howard goes down. Hey, look, Gronk emerges right on time. Mike Evans isn't feeling great. Well, there's Godwin, and then you go get Antonio. I mean, it's just a mix of all these weapons, and that was the whole idea, right, was – Last year's offense in New England, they didn't have anybody. He had nobody to throw to. Now he's got all of these things. And he's putting up numbers. He's putting up numbers, but not at the level. He's, he's still got another gear. And about 10 to 15% of the time this season, do you say, whoa, look at that quarter. Look at that half. The Atlanta one is one of those examples. That entire second half. Well, this is the point that we should be making, though, is that, okay, partly there are mitigating circumstances. You alluded to them. When Evans wasn't healthy... You know, you're missing a big weapon, obviously. And he wasn't healthy for eight, nine games. Really didn't look anything like himself. Godwin breaks his finger, pins in his finger. He misses time, too, with that and the ankle and the hamstring. Okay. Obviously, Gronk's been healthy, but you did lose Howard, who was emerging at the time. He got hurt at the game I was at against the Chargers, and he was lighting it up, right? And what a weapon he would have been. Uh, So it, it has been sort of choppy in terms of having those weapons. The second half of that Atlanta game, and I know what Atlanta is on defense, but when you see A.B. look more comfortable in this offense and they find a rhythm and then you have Gronk doing what he does to go with now what is clearly a healthy Evans and Godwin, this really does look like it's shaping up to be one of the most dangerous offenses in football as we head to the playoffs. And if you're a Bucks fan, that's what you're hanging your hat on is that when he has had guys healthy, he is putting up numbers. Now, they got to stop with the nonsense with these slow starts. And I don't know who's at fault. Yesterday on the Jeff Cameron Show right here in Tallahassee, Florida, and ESPN Radio, we said, and I said, and I'm going to scream this, burn the script. Who's ever in charge of these first 15 plays from scrimmage, the script as they call it in the NFL and college football, you are fired. (laughs) That's it. Because we cannot come out and look any worse than we do every freaking week. Preach, man. That's uh, that's also been a thing here on the Scuttlebucks, which is whoever's doing this job, they suck at it. I don't care who it is. You suck. If it's Brady, if it's Arians, if it's you suck at it. I don't care. No longer. That person in charge of the script is no longer in charge of the script. They're out of the room. You kick their ass out of the room. Yes. You can bring them back in when it's the big boys have had the conversation. Yeah. And if that's Tom, then Tom can get the hell out of the room and go sell some snake water. My, that's fine. My guess is that I, I'm going to put this at the feet of Arians. This always looks like game planning, and game planning has to be at the feet of the coaches. This looks like you're – I know it's not this simple. and We understand football is complicated. But if sometimes we all outthink the room, the more knowledge we have about the game, right? I, I got a friend who's a casual football fan, who said something to me the other day, and I thought, that's completely fair. And I feel like this is true when we're involved in fields that we're not necessarily experts on or know a lot about, right? But you, but you trust your instincts and your intelligence to deduce you know, the, the contextual evidence of what's going on, right? So here you go. If every week I tune into the Bucks because I'm a casual football fan and I know Tom Brady's a star and that's a big story, so I'm going to tune in. And if every week I watch the game, for reasons I don't understand, they never start well. 
They don't score, Tom. They don't score. They've got Tom Brady and all these weapons. They don't score. I don't know anything about football. I'm just watching, and I'm like, man, they never score early in these games. The first thing I'm going to do is say, well, this sure looks like a coaching staff that looks at film and then doesn't understand what they're seeing. Or this is a coaching staff that can't seem to put together a game plan that gets to off to a good start every week. I don't need to know football to know that's what I'm seeing. The sure. numbers tell me that. So – this has to fall at the feet of coaching, even if it's Brady in the room saying we want to run these plays to start the game. At some point, Arians, you're the head coach. If it's not working, say no. No, we're not doing that because, Tom, we're not scoring any points at the beginning of these games. I suspect it's not Tom. Well, I can't, I can't go there because the power dynamics are such that Tom can do whatever the hell he wants. You've seen that in personnel decisions. I... And, I wonder, and I wonder how much he was empowered to – I mean, Bruce has said it. Bruce has even said it himself. I, I know what he said, but, man, you can't tell him. So so what? They go into halftime with no points, and Arians goes, it's my plan now, Tom, and they go out there and light it up. I think the reverse is true. I think Brady says, this is ridiculous. This is what we're doing, and they go out and light it up. That, that's what I think. Okay. They, I, I look don't know. At the, it could why, be. Why, why then would he have, to me, there is a lack of confidence early. You see it in his eyes, yeah. that faraway look. It, this is where I'd say, okay, in Tom Brady's history, if he's not happy with what a coach is doing, you know it. You know why? The cameras see it. Right, right. He never screams down Byron, nor does he scream down Bruce Arians in the first half of games this last two-month stretch since the Mickens game. He doesn't. He doesn't yell at them. He threw hissy fits the first month of the season. I think it's because he's agreed to run that offense, and he knows he doesn't know it. I think somewhere along the way, he says when they're losing and desperate, look, man, we've got to do something else. But he's never been afraid to show up somebody if he feels that they are failing him. McDaniels, I mean, McDaniels is his favorite offensive coordinator. How many times have you seen Brady chuck his helmet basically at McDaniels? He wants to flip him off in front of the world. He's got no problem showing that guy up. You don't think he'd do that to Leftwich if Leftwich was the reason or if Bruce was the reason? Yeah, Yeah. I don't don't know. I mean, also, McDaniels and he had a long relationship where I think they felt comfortable screaming at each other. I don't know that he has that in year one here. Um, There are a lot of dynamics to this. My question would be maybe it's the shame factor. He's like, Jesus. I, I blew it again. Okay, so let's get to this. I, there's enough doubt. I cast enough doubt in it because I think Brady's voice commands more in the room, whereas well, the Belichick system was it's going to flow from up to down. It's going to flow from the coach's office okay. down to the players. But, what, but you probably, just like I do, put stock in the film analysis of a guy like Peyton Manning. And all of these former quarterbacks that have bothered to weigh in, and there have been a lot of them. It's not just guys that you roll your eyes at certain guys on get up sure it's been hall of fame quarterbacks and others saying eh. i mean you respect romo's analysis i do that this is a post-snap offense it, not a pre-snap right, offense. this yes. is arian's offense and, mm-hmm. and they all allude to it as such peyton manning did too so that's why i think this has got to be on arians this is not on brady because brady would be running the system he wants to run he would say no we're not doing that Okay, I agree with that, but I think it could be a little bit of both. In they're in, caught betwixt and between, which yes. was the argument we were making is, earlier this year, well, and it's been three months. We're nearly at New Year's, and it's still the same problem. But what if what we saw in that second half is the continued emergence and confluence of those things coming together and working for the first time? It could be. It could be that uh, you know the Falcons' pass defense is bad. Yeah, Tom Moore at halftime says they're thirtieth against the pass guys. We should probably throw more and get the ball out soon. Well. I mean, listen, 
yes, I get tired of them running incessantly on first down because you want to let your quarterback cook on first down and let him throw when it's a neutral well, down. And you're downgrading it the running back position last week because Fournette is indecisive. He did begin to run harder in the second half, that's for sure. He was bet when he caught the ball, he did get downhill in those yeah, situations, yeah. but he still averaged under four at carry. It's a weird sort of I, I don't you know, I, I can't figure out who's at fault for this. The the overall offensive numbers, if you just don't watch the games and you look at the numbers, the Bucks offense is fine. Like the you could write about the Bucks offense. Again, yep. just solely looking at the numbers, you'd say they're a good offense. Period. They're a good right. offense. But it, but here's the weird thing. Okay, so and I guess this is just where this whole season's gone. You're you're stuck in like third gear. Like there is a fourth and a fifth, and you're going fast enough, but you, you know that you could get up to, you know, it's like Texas highways. You want to get up to ninety five hundred miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, on the middle of the road. Yeah. But if you look at that offense in the first half and you juxtapose that against, well, I don't know, the way the Patriots usually run their offense, the Patriots' offense didn't have a whole lot of verticality to it. It right. didn't. It's crossers, it's flares, it's it's little mesh concepts, things like that. Well, that's what the first half offense looked like to me. Where was the verticality in the first half? There was nobody even running a route down the field. Everything was under, you know, one of my buddies texted me and, and he's right. He's like, this looks so damn vanilla. It looks like a preseason game. What is this offense? And then the next thing you know, in the second half, the verticality is back. Evans at depth. Brown, obviously, on the touchdown at depth. Godwin down the field. That's what this offense is supposed to be predicated on. In the first half, it looked like we were trying to run well, the underneath stuff that that beats our defense. I think we're getting back to our original point here, which is this is game planning. The game planning is so poor to start games. they got to throw out the script. Whatever you're doing, do the opposite. Because once they figure it out, they take off. They go nuts. They do that against – we've talked about their ability to avalanche people when they're in rhythm. Yeah. That hasn't gone anywhere. That still exists. That's why people keep the TV on when the Bucks are down 17 because you're like, well, they, they could come back. They could score that right. in the next three drives. They've done that two or three times this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they just avalanche people. Mm -hmm. When they get going – look at the confidence with which Brady threw in the second half. There's none of that nonsense overthrowing people by 30 yards, any, that confusion as to where they're going to be. It yeah. is put your foot in the ground and throw darts. In traffic or otherwise, he is making throw after throw after throw. The deep ball, that slant, that dig route. He had the post corner that he hit. That's a hard throw to make. Mm -hmm. He threw gorgeous pass after gorgeous. It's all in there. Every yeah. throw's in there. So, and and here is one of the things that in the basis of the offense, and and I think that you're not totally wrong, and I think I'm not totally wrong here. Right, it's right. it's these three people. It's the head coach, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, and Brady conspiring. We're like, you sons of bitches, get right. this figured It's out. just like we want, it, we want the pie chart to look exactly the way we think it does. Yeah. But it's these three people combining to suck in the first half. And then they figure it out and they get out of their own way. But uh, one of our weekly segments here on ESPN Radio it delves into the numbers on you know daily fantasy and, and little metrics that might help you gain an edge in fantasy sports. But it also gives you insights into actual football. And one of those was about pre-snap motion. And this is something yeah. that Tony Romo's brought up, too. Again, the pre-snap versus the post-snap nature of the two offenses. The Bucks don't use it very often. They don't use motion in order to give Brady a heads-up pre-snap uh, as to man coverage, zone coverage, or what type of zone they're in. We don't do that. It's pretty much stagnant. Pre-snap, here's your look, here's a snap, make your read. And that is lending itself towards Brady's confusion. 
And in, in New England, it was all about pre-snap motion to generate matchups and also to generate information for Brady so he knew that when he could get the ball out on time. And nobody gets the ball out faster when he's in rhythm than Tom Brady. It's impossible to pass rush the guy. No, it's But awesome. this offense is about long-developing routes, and then you've got to make the read after the snap, and that's why you see the starry-eyed look in his face. In the second half, I saw the killer look in his eyes, though. It was confidence, belief, he couldn't wait to be out there to tear that defense apart. He, he knew where he was going. He was confident, put his foot in the ground, and got rid of the ball time and again, and it had a lot on it. It was accurate. It really is confounding that we could be at this place 14 games into a season in which we don't know who's responsible for the ineptitudes to start games. We don't know which offense the Bucks are running you know is it is it how much of it are they incorporating from brady's time in new england how much of it is just pure arians who's calling these plays who's not and they know. they could look well oiled to end the season they could and that would be huge and i'd still be like ah, i'm not so sure because you saw what happened on thanksgiving to the lions past defense i mean jesus that's yeah. i mean god awful and then you're facing the falcons again and I, I get that they tried on Sunday. I don't know how invested they're going to be. They're looking forward to getting out of oh, the protocols going to play and, golf. and going to yeah. live, live yeah. their lives. Um, if we end up facing, and this is where uh, we talked about this yesterday too, but if we end up facing Seattle in the wild card round, that is going to be known as the Spider-Man game. <laughs> that is the Spider-Man <laughs> because that week's Scuttlebucks <laughs> is going to be, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, Seattle could win forty to ten. The Bucks could win forty to ten. It could be forty to thirty-eight. It could be seventeen. I just don't know. These teams are so damned inconsistent, and they're mirror images of each other. Even though Brady and Russell couldn't be different about how they play the game, and they're both elite. And when they're good, they're really unstoppable. And so you don't know which and when their version. defense is bad. It's god freaking awful. Yeah, that game could end up crazy. Like if the weather permitted, that game, if it wasn't you know cold and rainy, that game could end up forty five thirty eight. You know, if both paths, pass defenses look like ours have at times. The first half. I yeah. mean, Matt Ryan was just easy breezy that whole half. That was MVP Matt Ryan, buddy. He was just doing it all. Now I'll grant you, Calvin Ridley gets open against a lot of people, but sweet Jesus. But this is where also growing up in the South, you got ties to everybody. So my brother-in-law is a Falcons fan, and he's like, ah, don't you worry. Here come the bad sacks. And right on cue, Boom. there they there were. There they were. That was Cousins-like. A family-owned and operated dealership truly matters when you're buying a truck or a car, and that's what you get at Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford on Dale Mabry Highway. They are much more than just amazing prices and a nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. That's right. General Manager Sean Sullivan is ready to work with Scuttlebucks listeners personally in any way that he can. That includes service and their body shop as well. So start the holiday season right with a visit to BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. You can get Sean Sullivan's email there and ask him anything you want about buying or leasing a Ford truck or SUV and more. He will write you back, we promise. BillCurryFord.com. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. The holiday version of the Scuttlebucks. 
I was, uh, I guess, remiss in, in bringing up the fact that as we kind of wind down the season, I did mention the Pro Bowl rosters and what we thought of uh, Jason Pierre-Paul making the Pro Bowl, his third, by the way. But Did look, he uh, already go attend that game? Because he certainly wasn't in Atlanta. I would uh, I'd say that it's a shame that Levante David continues to just never get a nod, man. I, that guy, and he's had a spectacular year. He's been great. Linebacker plays not the problem for the Bucks. One of Joe Bucks fans' favorite things to write and makes us crack up every time is uh, when somebody takes a dump on the field. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like his phrasing, yes. his phrasing, not ours. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you know, it's just that's what that effort was. The Dennett Depression. The uh, Stuart McClown crew just took a dump on the field. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. I crack up with that every that, time. Too that's what years. the NFL does to Levante David's front lawn every year. They just show up and they leave him a present on the front lawn right there for him. Yeah. Um, listen, he does something that, uh, frankly, Devin doesn't do, which is he's really good in coverage, um, and, and, and Devin White doesn't. Uh, cover all that well. That's okay. I don't mind my middle linebacker being average in coverage as long as he shoots out of a cannon when he triggers against a run or if he's in a delayed blitz like last week. Uh, he does that very effectively. Um, but David's a guy that's already picked off a pass. He's broken up several others. He's been really good there. He's He's been good against the run. He's, he's great. Now I get it. Most years he's going to lose out to like Eric Kendricks or Bobby Wagner or something like that, but he's He's really good. He should have made the Pro Bowl by now. Oh, and, and he's one of the NFL's best linebackers for a long time. It's it's almost like if he had gotten the Pro Bowl recognition or the All-Pro recognition that he deserves, then maybe he'd be an outside shot for, I don't know, Canton, if he could keep it going another three or four years. But he just doesn't have any of those things on his resume, so it's a harder case to make. But he's been really good in a in an anonymous market, and Brady Cummins didn't help him this year. Uh, advanced metrics will tell you that Jalen Ramsey and uh, Jair Alexander uh, are are the best corners in in football, and then they will tell you that Carlton Davis is on the short list. Had a great year, I understand if he doesn't make it, but he's had yeah. a really good year. I would say this: I don't know, and it's going to be the games missed because if it's productivity in the games played, there's no chance you would leave Ali Marpet off the Pro Bowl roster. Now, he didn't make it in the voting. My guess is, again, the game's missed, killed him. But he's been arguably the best guard in football. So, I mean, that really, by every metric, he has been dominant. And good for him. Uh, yeah, that's another slam dunk you got to give Jason Light credit for because nobody really knew who the hell Ali Marpet oh, was. When he hits, he hits hard in the draft. I mean, really. Well, when, when he, he gets whips, it right, he really gets it right. You know, I think the other thing at this time of year is we're all looking back and thankful. I know we got some more games to be played. I'm not going to preview Detroit in Atlanta, but I will because we're all just now looking to the playoffs and seeding. We're trying to figure out what we do compared to what, again, what the Rams do. Do they lose a game in one of the last two? They've got two formidable opponents. Um, do the Saints do the unthinkable and fall on their face and allow the Bucks to sweep in and, and steal the uh, the division? That, that's not going to happen, but it is mathematically possible. Uh, so, you know, we continue to monitor that just to see who we're going to play. But, you know, I, I said it uh, on Sunday. I said it at the game I was at a week ago. Isn't it nice to watch a football game and to know that nine times out of ten, you have the more reliable kicker? My God, 
I mean, we can't overlook the fact that yeah. for a, the better part of a decade, our kickers lost us several games a year. Yeah, it makes me nervous to talk about that for too long. But yeah, he's um, and I think they wouldn't have been the right play. But if Brady didn't get the little lean and spot, yeah, we would have kicked the, the end, field goal and covered. And but he would have hit it. Oh, he would have hit it. Yeah, he wouldn't have been worried about a shank no, there. No, he'd have hit it. I never worry about him. Yeah. I never worry about him. When he trots out there, I'm like, he, look at him. He knows he's going to make it. It's beautiful. Now, listen, kickers are great until they're not. And they can be great and fall off a cliff. It happens all the time. But as of right now, our guy looks as confident as any kicker in the league. And it just amazes me that it took so long. And, it, and he's a retread. He's a guy that failed elsewhere but also succeeded elsewhere. Like all kickers, they eventually get it back. And the funny thing is that's one of the more consistent things on the, on the entire team because the folly of this whole season is we still don't know. We don't know what the Bucks are other than a playoff team and an above-average team. Like beyond that, shades of gray, and you've got evidence. You could make any case you want about how good the Bucks are. You can make any case you want. And you could go to pretty much every segment group and say, Ugh, I've got two different uh, stories to tell. Even Brady, you, you know, everybody. But suck up. He's been pretty good. Pinion has been pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, More than pretty good. I feel like those two guys have been... I'm just not comfortable giving a kicker that kind of uh, praise. It's just, it doesn't feel good. I have to tell you another aspect of what is surprising. And that is, listen, and I stand by my complaint and our criticism of the uh, franchise. But there is no ignoring the fact that Antonio Brown has come in. He hasn't made a peep. Clearly, he's not doing anything to disrupt the locker room or cause problems in practice. He's actually gotten better every week that he's been here. He showed up in shape. He's tough. He's a good route runner. Obviously, he's immensely talented. We've known that. That's sure. never been in, dis- in dispute. He looks like he's coming on in this offense. It could end up making a difference for the Bucs in the postseason. I don't think we were wrong to be critical of the franchise for bringing him in based on Antonio Brown's behavior. And the things that he's done in the past, transgressions in the past, well documented. And then beyond that, setting the offense back by having to. But that part's not his fault because they hired him. Oh no, no, it's not his. Right. No, but but you said we, you said we were critical of the Bucks for bringing. Well, well, so right, right. Also for the critical reasons, of the Bucks of yeah, yeah. setting the offense yeah, 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 back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because they had to find a for the greater closer, yeah for the greater productivity is the is yeah. their answer. Yeah, but, yeah. But what I what I would say, and and listen again, you don't get a lot of credit for just being a decent human being and not causing problems. But I I'm just noting that I'm stunned that we're at a place now where he's been on the team for several weeks, and he's getting better in the offense, and he is obviously not causing problems. Yeah, the biggest piece of evidence I'd say, and I'm not changing my tune on how I feel about the organization no, that f- while he's there, but the biggest piece of evidence I'd say that, that Antonio is really working hard is not necessarily the productivity. It's that when he scores that touchdown, did he's, you see what happened afterwards? Oh, yeah. Godwin and Evans flocked to him, and they're fired up for him. The first couple of weeks, it didn't look like Antonio was in the club. Meaning the segment group, like Edwin's uh, or Evans and Godwin were, were talking in their own mm-hmm, particular mm-hmm. part of the sideline, and then there Antonio would be at a different part of the bench, and then they start to get closer as the weeks go on. You can see physically they start to talk to each other, and now they're slapping each other on the helmet every time each one of them makes a play. That means to me he is proving to them in practice during the week and in preparation that Antonio is not about me like he has been in the past. At least for now, he's doing the right things.
Well, think about this, too. And this was an area that I considered when we were having the larger discussion. Remember in New England that they would take in the wayward child. They would take in the talented, off-troubled running back receiver. And, I mean, going all the way back to Corey Dillon. You know, I mean, you can name a number of guys, right? And those guys would get there and you wouldn't hear a peep out of them. You wouldn't hear anything that resembled the problems they had at their previous stop. They wouldn't get in trouble. They wouldn't cause a stir in practice. And we always just said, well, that Patriot way, quote-unquote, seems to have an effect. The second somebody walks into those facilities, they become a different man. And we credited Belichick with that. Fair enough. But I think, in truth, Tom Brady gets a lot of credit for this. The only way that you would vouch for that guy and wanting to add him is if you could say, I feel like it's the mob, right? I'm vouching for this guy. He's one of us. You know, you wouldn't do it because that's your ass. You'll be killed otherwise, right? So he would have had to have gone to Arians and said, I guarantee you nothing's going to happen negative to hurt this locker room. I guarantee you he will get in line and do what I tell him to do. Now, we can be cynical about the reasons. He's going to see my motivational speaker. Whatever it is. It's going to be great. We're going to sell a book about it. Bruce, 3%. 3%? 3%? All right, 4%. But my point would be, whatever the motivation, be it money, whatever the, the, the personality shifting or uh, I, I, psychology of Antonio Brown that allowed for this to work, I do think you have to credit Tom Brady to some extent for knowing that he could get that guy in line or he wouldn't have done it. Well, also in terms of productivity, he's almost caught Scotty Miller already. He's yeah. played just four games. Oh, he's listen. You, you from day one, even though we were both against the signing. I mean, it, probably two games into his stint, even when things looked discombobulated, you were willing to admit, well, he looks good. He looks in shape. He looks like the old Antonio Brown. I mean, he's been, he's coming and worked hard. And he's looked good. He arrived ready to play. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Oh, different conversations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Different conversations. He has. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he really looks has. polished. And- I was kind of surprised by that, though. With all the things that were going on in his life prior, I was like, are we even getting a guy that's resembling? Well, that's it- how much he needs the money. Well, even sure. after the games, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. Well, my guess is, and I'm playing amateur psychologist here, but my guess is he got help. I mean, yeah. I, I, there's some uh, medication at work here. I mean, I think he's gotten help. Clearly. Uh, yeah, well, the beat, I mean, we asked Lee about this weeks ago, and he said, yeah, he was very quiet and subdued in his first press conference. Of course, he's wearing the TB12 hat, which I think was part of the arrangement, but he was very quiet and subdued, and I, that's continuing. So, yes, I don't know what it is, and I don't know if Well, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy yeah. to see it, not just for the Bucks, just... I mean, the city I, of Tampa and the safety well, of the, the folks The safety in there. of the women and children of Tampa, yes. absolutely. And I don't root for people to go to jail for life, so keep it together. <laughs> That'd be good. I need... Just so happens you're productive on Sundays these days too. If he starts being a downfield weapon, yeah, I, I do think Tom, the weirdest team in football. Maybe we are. Uh, maybe it's Seattle. Maybe it's a couple others. But I got to tell you, the, I I agree with those that say you probably don't want to play the Bucks if you're an odds-on favorite to get to the Super Bowl. You're thinking I don't want what the Bucks can be. What the Bucks sure. could be. Yeah, that's again, that's why the Seattle game is the Spider-Man game, because you don't want to play Seattle. Russell could go off at any moment. Right. Metcalf could go for 14 for 175 and two scores, and you're like, geez, well, what are we supposed to do? And then it's that third and seven. Russell breaks the pocket. He drops uh, it in the bucket that. to lock it, which yeah, they've yeah. done a million times over. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, the thing is about it, – it's almost like watching um, 
a college basketball team or a college football team, you see all of your own flaws and you're hyper-focused on those. Right. But I don't think this is a case like... Like, I'd feel much more comfortable if I was uh, a Bills fan this year, for example. You pretty than, much than a know, Bucks what, fan. They you you know, know what, what they are. You know what they are. Yeah, the Bucks yeah. can be anything at any time. Well, Defense, we, always... we haven't talked about the defense. I mean, they can look shook. Bowles is a coordinator. The defense out in the field, they can look shook for entire halves. I mean, even entire games. Yeah, I think you're right. If you're looking for stability, you look at Buffalo in the AFC East. You, I, I, I think, obviously, Kansas City in the West. Everybody knows what they are, the reigning Super Bowl champions with the best player in football. But in the NFC, there is a lot of uncertainty. I dare say even the 11-3 Packers, I don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. And Aaron Rodgers is incredible, and he's having a great year. Well, we went through that schedule earlier this year, and that's as favorable as it gets. But, you know, I like the Saints a lot. I think they've they, – obviously, I really kind of hang my hat on their defense more than I do anything else. I really like their defense. But Seattle is 10-4, and four, and they have as many questions as the Bucks do. I go through these teams, and there's oh, – obviously, Washington's 6-8, and eight, and they lead the division. So they're a mess. Uh, you can do this for almost every team in the NFC – uh, it, it is weird to try to try to find any sort of certainty, and I think you're right. When you analyze a team, you find every flaw that they have. But imagine now being a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who won their first 11 games, and now you're a you're a fan of a team that was 11 and 0, best record in football, doing everything right. They've now lost three straight, including losing to the woeful three and 10 Cincinnati Bengals. That's on the table. That's in you. You can lose to the Cincinnati Bengals with a third-string quarterback at yeah, the helm. Convincingly. That's who, yes, yes. That's who you can lose to. So would you rather be the Bucks? I'd say yes. I mean, that, that's what I mean. And the Steelers could finish the year 13-3. Yeah, yeah. Even the Rams who beat us on Monday Night Football, you're like, oh, Goff could just go, you know, 11 for 23 for a buck Well, God 10. forbid it's chilly outside. Right, right. I mean, that guy. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's... Every I think every team but the Saints in the NFC probably feels that way. Maybe Packers fans are deluded, but if they face the Bucks heads up again, they'd be scared. Um, I think they would be too. I, I I think the Saints are the most uh, consistent and uh, probably best team in the NFC. But are they? Are if they, I'm a Saints fan, I'm feeling bullish though because you know Thomas will be healthy. They think by the beginning of the postseason they well, put him you've on. Got the best reserve. coach in the league uh, right. in the NFC in a one game one off. You've got that dude who's fearless. Uh, Breeze should be healthy by that time. You got Kamara. I mean, and that defense. That defense, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're the team to beat in the NFC. It's going to be difficult. But uh, hey, we won't have to face them for a while. We've got things we got to do here. Win these next two games. Yeah. Bucks certainly have an opportunity to do that. Wouldn't be surprised if they do. Detroit and Atlanta. I don't know how game Atlanta is going to be in that final game. Then again, they showed up to this one and they had no real reason to. They have fought hard for Raheem Morris. I mean, it was seventeen to nothing, and it looked it could have been worse. Yeah, they they fought hard for Raheem Morris. They they have fought hard for Raheem Morris. You give them credit for that. It's uh, very impressive. Uh, I'm surprised to see it, but they are. I just my hope is that ornery Tom Brady shows up in the first half. Just look decisive and angry. If something doesn't go right. Go shout somebody down. That's who he is. That's who he was the first month of the season. It's not like he magically changed when he got to Tampa. He's had his moments on the yeah, bench. I don't know what's been the root of that sort of uncertainty. You've seen more of the slap of the helmet, screw me, F me for that bad well, thing, than you have no... him yelling at somebody else for not doing what they were supposed to do. Well, you certainly can't argue that uh, when you miss a guy who's wide open by 15 yards on a play in which you bought more time in the pocket, so the route's broken down and the guys run to open space and you miss him by 10 yards, that's on you. That's not scheme. That's just you blowing a throw that's right in front of you. When you miss Ronald Jones in the flats and there's nobody within 10 yards and you throw it 10 yards over his head, that's on you. Now, there's no guarantee he would have caught it if you hit him in the numbers, but nonetheless, you got to give him the opportunity. 
you know, he we've seen that. He's missed Gronk several times where they're not on the same page, and I don't think it's on Gronk. So that we've seen that. But then we also see the decisive, confident, I mean, destroyer of a quarterback. That guy in the second half was the guy that you saw for so many years in New England. That guy that's just coming for your soul. So one whisper we heard, this is I think a week ago, is it just takes him a while to get warmed up. Well, get out there earlier then. I, right. Now, I laughed at that internally. I was like, ah, I don't know. But, I mean, we're getting to his a place arm does maybe. look live in the second half Woo! routinely, doesn't it? It Oh, really live. I don't think arm strength's a problem in the first half. Accuracy's the first first half but issue. everything about the rhythm, yeah. the placement, yeah. the like it, it is. I'm starting to believe it's got to be something wacky, too. My guess is, too, that when they started getting the ball out of his hands really quickly, when they, you know, Atlanta's playing 10 yards off the ball. It's just a simple math equation. He's getting out there, counting the numbers, and turning and firing. Couple, It's like seeing the ball go through the net on the free throw line. You know, all of a sudden you see him start to gain confidence. And that's the one thing. So maybe this is where Peyton Manning was coming from when he did the breakdown about, well, I don't understand why they're not running more Patriots plays. You know why he doesn't believe that uh, he can't believe what he's seeing? When he went to Denver, he ran his damn ran offense. His offense yeah. When he was in Indy, it wasn't Tom Moore. Like Tom Moore was there for the ride and Clyde Christensen, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was Peyton at the line. Yeah. It was all at the line, and that's how he ran his offense. When he got to Denver, you know what he told you know, uh, yeah. John Elway? I'm, doing my, I'm not signing the deal unless I do it my way. That was the stunning development by about week two when you're like, oh, Brady's really going to run. He's going to try to run the Arizona-Pittsburgh offense. Okay. But then... If he can just run it at the line the way he wants to, maybe that's maybe that is the answer. Well, let's use these last two weeks to make sure we're on the same page before entering the playoffs. Let's get to that place, please. Go go do that. Do you think they will be? Do you think we as as fans and analysts of it can log on for Scuttlebucks for well, wildcard weekend and say, okay, they figured it out. Well, guys. here's your problem. Even if they do, you're gonna rightfully say it was against Detroit and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I'd still rather see it. I'd still, I, I again, this is hitting a home run off a pitcher with a 9 ERA. It doesn't matter that that guy stinks. I still went yard and feel good about myself the next time I get in the box. So go out there and destroy these two defenses and feel good about yourself as you're going into the playoffs. I don't want the same doubt I seem to see on the faces of this offense every time they take the field against anybody. Get rid of that. Even if it's false bravado, get rid of it and go into the playoffs believing in what you're doing offensively. Hey, uh, real quick before we sign off, another reminder to go visit BillCurryFord.com. You sh- you can uh, run into General Manager Sean Sullivan. You can also email him. Look, he's ready to do work for you, and they'll give you the Scuttlebox discount as well. Uh, Bill Curry Ford, first family of Ford, over 60 years. You can get Sean Sullivan's email uh, there at the Bill Curry Ford um, showroom. Uh, go type in BillCurryFord.com. You'll find him there as well. Ask him anything you want about buying or leasing a Ford truck or SUV and more. He'll write you back. Go to BillCurryFord.com. For Tom Lang, I'm Jeff Cameron. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope you enjoy it. Go Bucks. We'll talk to you next time.